Welcome to the podcast series, Irish by the Grace of God. And here's your host, Tony Gorman. Great news, everybody. Irish by the Grace of God have now got a badly needed sponsor. GetDigs.ie are an Irish company that specialize in rental accommodation on a Monday to Friday basis. And homeowners can rent out a room in their home for part of the week and still avail of the government's rent-a-room scheme and earn up to 14000 per annum tax-free. That's fourteen grand. That's a serious incentive. They also have a presence in the UK with getdigs.co.uk. And their homeowners can earn up to £7,500 sterling per annum tax-free for renting out a room. And now they're also launching in the USA with a website called fivesleeps.com. That's the number five followed by sleeps.com, fivesleeps.com. So check out the websites for more details and uh, make contact with them. So um, today's guest, uh, everybody on uh, Irish by the Grace of God, is an old friend of mine from Drogheda, uh, Mike Kinsler. Did I call you Mike uh, or did I call you Mick? They called me Mick, but uh, in work they call me Mike because they all got very embarrassed about calling an Irish guy Mick. I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, and so people call me Mike. Uh, People still call me Kins, believe it or not, when I get back to to Drogheda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's from being 15 years of age or whatever. I quite prefer Kins, to be honest with you. Jeez. (laughs) But uh, so... Uh, I I I know uh, Kins from, I'd say, 40 years ago. I spent my last two years of secondary school in um, uh, CBS. Jesus, what was the name of the C- Mary's? Yeah, St Mary's in Drogheda, and had a had a good time. I I was taken out of boarding school, and my ta- last two years were in Drogheda. So that I could focus on my studies, <laughs> that didn't happen. But uh, so uh, I met uh, I met Mike there, and I think we became good friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to college then. Yeah. Um, and we kind of went our separate ways then, and it's forty years I'd say since we've seen yeah. each other. So I uh, maybe try and get get through your history, and um, maybe. Quick overview of you growing up in Ireland and, uh, you know, uh, primary school, secondary school, etc. Yeah. So uh, way, way back, I was actually born in Manchester, but I only stayed there uh, six weeks uh, around, the, around the corner from where the Smiths kind of had their uh, their um, their famous album cover or single cover. I think the the, the working men's club. But my mom, my dad was working over there. They came back when they had me, so I didn't get any of the flat vowels. Um, <laughs> six six weeks, um, and then kind of like brought up and dropped us. So we m- eventually moved to Ballsgrove, which I don't know whether you remember that, Tony. But I do, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of a massive big house, and say quite a lot of us kind of came from there that were at uh, St Mary's. Um, I'd I'd done uh, two. Schools. I I I went to St. Joe's, St. Joseph's on the north side of the town for primary, and then I flipped over to St. Mary's. And the only reason it wasn't St. Joe's was probably academically 
better, I think. But the reason why I flipped was because we had a gym on the uh, on the south side, yeah. uh, St Mary. So that was that was the, the thinking behind it, and kind of spent a lot of time in that gym over the years, kind of playing basketball with Brother Grogan and all that side, That's right, of, yeah. side of stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, I guess at that point played a lot of Gaelic and a lot of a lot of soccer ball and yeah. did karate. Spent a lot of time. Strangely enough, when people that know me know me now, Tony, find it very difficult to equate me with sports at all because I, I kind of give it a total blank these days. I, I I switch off the World Cup. I'm not interested in Celtic or Rangers. You know, it, it's um. so people do kind of look at me like I'm a bit odd, Whoa. particularly in Glasgow where it's it's in the water, basically. Um, but yeah, once once music began to come into my life and, and uh, I guess kind of, guitar playing and songwriting and stuff that that took over that 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 kind of wiped out any real interest in manu or or any of the other <laughs> uh premiership teams that were all rife at that moment in time i guess and still are in 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 ireland uh not so much here in glasgow it tends to be um uh, scottish kind of league um but yeah that so in in terms of schooling that that's that's my kind of background. Yeah. Um, I I always remember you as being one of those guys that was good at everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could I remember the cra- I have a, I, I'll tell you a story about your karate uh, maybe later on. <laughs> but uh, uh my first actually introduction to you was we were going in a school I was the new Limerick dude who came into the college and are into the school and I, I i was chatting to you we were going on a school tour and you you said to me go over and ask mcnamee there about uh how good his sister is at dancing <laughs> no way oh no oh no so i went over and i says brendan i hear your i hear your sister is is great dancer and he goes you bastard <laughs> She's in a wheelchair. Of course, it was a, it was oh, a setup. It was a setup. So I went off oh, with a big red no. head in me. So that was my first introduction. Oh Christ Almighty, that's not a good start. I, I mean, uh, I knew I'd done that once or twice. I had no idea I did it to you, Tony. That you were the receiving. Oh, I remember. Oh, but we were, we were. Just up for the crack. Yeah, you know, yeah. 99% of the time, it was all just about having a laugh, wasn't it? Oh, that's great. There was, no, there was no subject really kind of off limits, including your sister being a ballerina <laughs> in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> just to welcome you into, into, the, into the fray. Yeah, oh, but there, yeah, they were good. No, but I recall that you, you were very good academically. You were great at the basketball and the soccer and the karate as well. So... I mean, uh, you were pretty, and of course, the music then came in, a left-handed guitarist, that really took my attention. And you were big into Deep Purple then at the time. Yeah, yeah. I guess at, at that kind of point where, where the music was coming in, um, it, it was all kind of Fender Stratocasters. And uh, for me, Deep Purple was Richie Blackmore, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, but of course, Rory was in the mix, which is something I immediately kind of bonded with you over because you you always had the best Rory uh, played shorts and did the best impression of Rory or Joey Mars. And I thought that guy can do it. All he needs is a guitar player. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was it was Stratocasters and uh, and that kind of got me into that side of it. In reality. Uh, at that point, you'll remember yourself, like we, we were listening to everything from Bob Dylan and Neil Young to uh, Bob Marley. And we, we listened to a lot of rock music. Um, I listened to a lot of rock music because <clears> I was <throat> a guitar and I was into um, kind of lead guitar. And in a way, I, I didn't listen to a lot of it for relaxation or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm. He probably, yeah, we, you know, definitely, uh, you know, at 15, 16, that was, that was a big thing. Um, but I was always more aligned with songs and songwriters and, and kind of the Beatles or Lennon McCartney or, you know, the, where there were tunes basically, sure. uh, as, as opposed to 20 minute guitar solos. Although I like the 20 minute guitar solo. It depends who's playing it. Yeah. 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 And it's great to see Rory get, uh, I guess with YouTube and, and uh, access to all this stuff now, you can really set up your own little bubble. And uh, I kind of went on a Rory trip there about three months ago with various people talking about his playing and being influenced and, and all the rest. And um, he's just a, a big name amongst guitar players, which I didn't, I didn't really appreciate at the time. I knew, I know you appreciated it. And your brother, Jer, was it? That's right, Jer. Yeah, you you guys had it down to Pat. We were we were kind of catching up in Drogheda, I think. You know, we we were all, <laughs> which is why I, we probably latched on to you, Tony, because we thought, "Here's a man from the big city. He knows what's going on here. He thinks he knows what he's talking about." <laughs> you looked like you knew what you were doing. With an air guitar, you definitely looked like you'd just come back from the European tour. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you see now people like Slash and Brian May and all that talking yeah. about Rory, which, you know, massive Incredible. esteem. Yeah. Yeah. And even those guys talking about the fact he was using an, an, an old Vox AC30 amplifier. That's right. That, that he had. The only thing he had plugged into it was a, a treble boost, uh, which was the same same thing, believe it or not, that Blackmore had plugged into his kind of uh, setup too. It was very fairly low fi in terms of effects pedals and um that side you know they were literally yeah. literally plugging into the amp and overdriving the valves and that was it yeah i think if i recall correctly did you play a gig in the the gym in uh in the school um i think I you think might I, have I did, I did a christmas thing yeah uh, I played with Big Dave McLaughlin. Do you remember Dave McLaughlin? Dave, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a funny one because he was quite an, an accomplished kind of acoustic-y guy and he wanted to play Lion Eyes by by the Eagles, which wasn't really up my, my straight, but I thought, yeah, yeah, you do a verse, I'll do a verse. So because I didn't know the song, I wrote it on a, a little piece of paper and I stuck it on the neck of the acoustic guitar but I, I wrote it in blue biro, and when the lights came on, the blue lights came on. <laughs> it just looked like a blank piece of paper. So I, I, I basically made up the the second and fourth <laughs> verses of my night in front of everybody that I knew and loved and drawn a sitting in the gym. <laughs> Not my best moment. Very good. So, 
When you finished school, um, you went to, and as I did, we went to what it was called at the, the RTC in Dundalk. Yeah. It's called something different now, the tech, technological yeah. institution. But yeah. we both did electronics. Uh, we weren't in the same class. You were in the good class, <clears throat> and I wasn't in the same, or I wasn't in the uh, the good class. Well, but, uh, it was split, wasn't it? The the one of the classes was a kind of like a hardwired three year um, diploma course, and you, and the other one was kind of split into a certificate, and then you went and did a, a right. diploma. Um, and the focus of the one that I went on was research and development or design which is kind of what led me over here, et cetera. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But um, so, yeah, the, I, I mean, I don't know about you at that point, Tony, but when I came out of school, I, I kind of had ideas that I wanted to go and study English and I wanted to do this, that, and the other, even though I, I was I was good at science, but and I could see that that's where the work was. And there was a lot of pressure at that point just with the economy being yeah. the way it was, you know, in the early 80s. Um, that the idea of swanning off to Trinity and doing a degree in, in English lit and then, you know, spending the rest of your life staring into the mid distance and scratching your chin and <laughs> uh, and writing a shitty version of Ulysses probably wasn't going to get the the the, uh, the beans on the table. So I, I went and I, I did it just like you did in electronics, but I can't say I loved electronics, even though yeah. I quite like physics. Um, it just wasn't floating my boat, but I stuck with it and 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 went through the whole lot, um, and then kind of had a, always had an idea that I would come out and try and maybe get into computing and and from that side of things, you know. Uh, but yeah, I was a bit of a reluctant um, third level student uh, at, at the regional, as we we would have called it. Yeah, um, I thumbed it up and down every day, most. Most days, I did the same. Yeah, did you? Yeah, of course yeah. you. Because I'd pass you on that. On yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember yeah. the time we hitched from Dundalk to Drogheda with road cones in our head, <laughs> or bringing glass, you know, well, paints, paints yes, glass across the road? Yes, we we'd normally get dumped out in Dunleary or something, and we'd have to. Kind of stand on that brow of the hill as it kind of headed off the top with fake, fake panes of glass being carried across. <laughs> I mean, if you did that stuff now, you would get arrested. I'm sure yes, you, know, you would. Yeah, or somebody would film you on their on their uh, iPhone, and before you know, you'd either be in an internet sensation or you'd be in the barracks and dropping it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I but, about that. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so did you did you enjoy your time in the read uh, in the RTC? Well, I, I didn't. I didn't really, to be honest. I for some because of time and because I delayed it, Tony. I I, I was kind of half thinking of uh, doing English, um, either in UCD or in uh, in Trinity, but there was nobody around me, and probably pretty much the same as yourself. Maybe your, your older brother, Jair, I, he was doing accountancy, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Um, there was nobody around me that had, you know, any university experience. There was nobody saying, hey, that's a good idea. You should go and spend four years of your life yeah. reading books. You might get a job. You might not. The, everything was was hardwired towards, um, not in any 
in any bad way. It was just kind of like practically, it was almost a stretch for people in my circle that you were going to go and spend three years not earning and being in the, you know, studying electronics, even though you were going to come out and, and get a, a decent job at the end of it. Um, so I, I, I kind of left it I left it late to apply for, for Dundalk. And then when I did, there had been a grant system related to this course that I was too late um, applying for. So I literally did three years with a, a red cent from uh, from the government or whatever. So hence the reason why I was playing in bands and and uh, working in bars and all the rest of it was uh, yeah. just because there wasn't, uh, there was no grant. So that was a bit tough because everyone else in, in, in my class and probably in yours, they, they would head off and get their 28 quid or whatever it was at the end of the week. And I was like, nah, mate, you're doing it for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't get the grant either, but um, so you had to work basically. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, my, I didn't get, get the grant when I did try and go for it, whatever way my father's wages were and all the rest, um, he i wasn't eligible the only people that seemed to be eligible were were farmers who had a hundred thousand acres of land somewhere you know <laughs> that only earned 600 pounds a year from from their uh from their wheat fields and spuds so nothing's changed it's probably exactly the same if you're a paye worker there was no chance of getting the grant so you finished your three years and what happened then uh, I came out. We went. Did you come to work in Technicon? Were you in Technicon too? Uh, no, no. So there was a there was a factory that made blood analysis equipment, really, really kind of seriously high end um, blood analysis technology. They were called Technicon. They got bought by L'Oreal or one of the big pharmaceutical companies, but they um, they were in swords, right. We all, a lot of us came out and somebody got us in there. And so we, we were working as, um, I guess, test technicians. Right. So they were building these huge, big systems. So really pretty much a matter of life and death, whether they were, <laughs> whether the information coming out of them was correct or not. You know, like your blood analysis. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty kind of critical. You didn't get somebody else's analysis, <laughs> that type of thing. So these things were big, big, big systems and and uh, kind of motherboards, uh, multi-processors and all the rest. Um, so we did that for, for a while. Um, and then I realized that I'd been kind of sold a pup uh, by, uh, I guess, the regional and, and the Irish government, that there didn't seem to be any research and development and design in Ireland. You know, the, we were we we really had, I guess, what would be called board board shops. You know, where, where computers were assembled or, or technology was assembled, but nobody was really designing it. Nobody was in a lab uh, trying to work out how to build it. Or, um, and that's kind of what I convinced myself. I, I should do because that's what the course was about. So <clears throat> I applied for a job in Scotland um, and it came back. It was in the military of defence and it came back uh, positive, but uh, in lieu or a caveat of having um, security clearance. So coming from the Republic of Ireland into the military of defence, uh, top secret project probably wasn't the best time. You know, seeing, as, seeing as the hunger strikers were all were all kind of um, that's right. Yeah, it was that time. Yeah, and so in the middle of that, Tony, I got offered 
believe it or not, on the up on the complete other side of the tracks to go to the Gar- Garda Engineering. So, Whoa. all right, I've got a cunning plan here. I'll, <laughs> I'll take the Garda Engineering job, um, and then I'll tell the crowd in Glasgow, uh, hey, by the way, security clearance, I'm, I'm, I'm a fully paid up Garda Shea member. So <laughs> that did work, right? But unfortunately, it delayed that long in getting back to me. I spent three months in Temple Moor in, uh, you know, the Garda training bag. Yeah, yeah. Which was like basically been in the army for three months. And you can, I mean, you'll remember me as I remember you from that period of time. We were kind of like long haired rockers with a large bit of hippie in our DNA and, and, a, and a bit of punk rock thrown in for good measure. So the idea of marching around Temple Moor for three months with the Dib Dib Dob Dob Brigade um, was, a, was a bit of a sore one. But when I actually resigned from it, I was still in Templemore. So I got the letter through from um, Baron Stroud here in Glasgow. And uh, I, I went up and said, hey, guys, I've had enough of this nonsense. I'm out. I'm going. Packing my bag. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be leaving tonight on the next train out of Templemore. And, of course, it was, oh, mate, oh, wait a minute. You can't just walk out of here. This is that. I says, I'm fucking going. And uh, he says, no, but you'll need to resign and you'll need to sign the papers and you'll need to whatever. And I says, well, Get me the papers. And, and so oh no, so they couldn't find any papers because nobody had ever resigned in the history of the Irish state from Templemore Barracks. <laughs> it's like most people would give their right arm to get in there, you know, a, cer- a certain type. Another uh, first for my Kinsler. You know what I mean? <laughs> All the gather to fuck off with themselves. Um, they didn't have the paperwork, so they had to let me go and... Um, to be fair, they put me through a little bit of a rigmarole the next day down on the, the marching square and all the rest. Of it. They thought it was hilariously funny. I thought it was humiliating. <laughs> but um, so that was it. I got out of there, got out of Dodge and and went to went to Scotland. And it turned out that the, the military defense project I was working on was basically Trident, the, the nuclear submarine. So So let me sorry, Mike, for interrupting. Let me get time frames here. So you would have left RTC. You would have left the college at what? 83? 83, yeah. And then um, you went to, to work for a period of how many years? I, I, I worked in Ireland up until September of 84. Okay. And I went to Scotland in uh, October, September, October of 84. Ah, okay, gotcha. I've been here kind of ever since. I should say, I moved to Glasgow. You know, people kind of ask me about Scotland, and I've always just thought I've been to Glasgow. I'm, I'm not that kind of connected with the rest, uh, although it's a beautiful, beautiful country and um, and has its own kind of ways. And, and I mean, um, I feel very comfortable in Glasgow, not necessarily uh, in, in other kind of parts of it or whatever. Um, which is strange, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, why? Why is that? Because, look, you know, if you, my son was in Edinburgh last weekend. My daughter's gone next weekend, but it's something they'd say. I'm not going. You know, they wouldn't say I'm going to go to Glasgow for the weekend unless it was for a match or something. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 <clears> quite <throat> because um, I kind of got to know it really well by playing in bands and touring around Scotland and being in all. So I know Scotland well. 
Um, and I know it's the, the, the vibe in various different places, et cetera, and what's, where the rock and roll towns are, where the dance towns are and that type of thing. So, I mean, Edinburgh's just picture postcards. You know, it, it, it's the Athens of the North and all the rest. It's very pretty. But yeah. it, I mean, you wouldn't get me. I wouldn't spend. I couldn't spend three hours in Edinburgh without trying to get out out of it on on the train. It it's it doesn't. The cultural kind of aspect of it is essentially. I mean, they'll shoot me down in flames if anyone ever sees this. But they basically import it for a month. You know, they have the the world's largest arts festival, um, and everybody goes goes into it and plays it. They're not from Edinburgh. You know, if you go to Edinburgh in, in September. I'm not sure what's going on, who's doing anything. But if you go there in August, every comedian, every player, every writer, every you know um, author will will be in the city. Whereas Glasgow has a real kind of genuine, like Dublin, uh, kind of I, I guess a working class uh, music, uh, tech, down to earth vibe. Plus, yeah, yeah. it's various. I mean, Glasgow, you know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah. It's not an accident. It's produced uh, Billy Connolly and, and Kevin Bridges and and uh, and many, many more. And most, of them, most of them live around here, actually. But uh, Frankie Boyle. Uh, but, I mean, it's sensational kind of like that. That's just, in, that's just in the water here a little bit, you know. People have always got something to say. People are always... They've got the crack. I guess the other thing is, Tony, that there's a lot of people in Glasgow who are second and third generation Irish, you know, that came here from Donegal. You'll meet a lot of people that will say to you, you know, oh, my granny's from Donegal. They're all from Donegal. Yeah. They're not from Cavan or, or Loud or Wicklow. And so that was kind of invisible to us, you know, or, or Limerick or, or Galway. They all seem to have emigrated um, from from Donegal, probably turn of the turn of the last century. Right, um, and you're right. The problem the problem with uh, with Glasgow is that the only reason people do find themselves in it is if they're Celtic fans or whatever, and they get in a bus and drive that, and they arrive in in the east end of Glasgow, where the um, where the Celtic Stadium is, which is the equivalent of Beirut, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I think I've been down there twice for football matches. I mean, it's just a dangerous, horrible part of the city. It's like it's like somebody dropping you into Ballymun in the in the late 70s, <laughs> and then you coming back to report on what Dublin was like. You know, it, it, it's... it's um, Football fans tend to get out, get in the stadium, are basically terrified by the local crappy bars, get back in the bus and come back to, to Ireland and, and have terrible tales of all about how awful Glasgow is. But I mean, Glasgow's an incredibly civilised, arts kind of like based city, as well as everything else. Um, and it's great because we don't have blow-ins. We don't have people just arriving in to, uh, to hang out and fill the bars and yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, you probably recall this, but... Myself and Regina, before we got married, this has gone back a long time. We went to Edinburgh for a, a weekend. No planning. Yeah. Actually, no, we went to Edinburgh for a week. No planning. We just arrived over and uh, we found out it was the, the week of the Flower Festival. So we couldn't get any accommodation. Right. OK. So we we had to queue for hours 
to get into a female hostel and a male hostel. So yeah. she she got into the female and then I went in and I was in a room with 10 other guys. And I woke up the next day and my shoes were gone. Right. <laughs> so I said I had to walk to the female hostel, which was about a mile up the road in my bare feet. <clears throat> so that was grand. Got her anyway. And I said, you have to buy me a pair of shoes. So she bought me a pair of shoes. And I said, all right, we're not staying here. What, what do we do? And I says, I know there's a guy called Mike Kinsler. I went to school with him. I know he's in Glasgow. Have you a number for him? No. Anyway, rank, long story short, we got your number. We rang you. You came from Glasgow to Edinburgh, picked us up in the car, and <laughs> we spent a week a week in your apartment, and we had a blast. We were gigging, going to gigs every night. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, that's coming back to me now. That's coming back to me now, Tony. That that had been a complete blank with, with me. Um, yeah, yeah, that's coming back. Uh, that that is the type of city that my flat at the time. I guess would have been in the city. So it would have been down at the back beside the art school and onto Saki Hall Street. So all of the that was the main strip in Glasgow at the time with pubs and clubs and bars and and, and all the rest of it. Um it was just a brilliant place to oh, it to, was brilliant. It was a brilliant week. Uh, and I, I guess the thing is, you know, at that point in time, there were so many bands in the in, in the city that were all signed and on top of the pops, like the uh I guess kind of um Delamitri and Orange Juice and the Blue Nile and Deacon Blue and all these kind of bands. Um uh, they were all from the city in the city making music. So it was a very music city. Yeah. You know, everybody was either in a band or going to see a band. And uh and I was I was doing both. So um yeah, bloody hell. I I, I had forgotten about that. That's yeah. That's incredible about Shisbon, Nick, though. That's that's kind of... Do, do you know, it's the one thing I kind of say, you asked me about Glasgow and Scotland, uh, um, why the difference? It's like, I don't think Scotland has the first idea how to do tourism, even though it's one of the most beautiful countries you've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, you go 30 miles from my from this window here, you're at Loch Lomond, which is the equivalent of the Lakes of Killarney. I mean, that's what it looks like. You know, oh, you, yeah. you, go, you go from Glasgow to that in 30 minutes and it would be nice to get a beer or a nice bite to eat or you know <laughs> stay somewhere that they didn't think you know what you know there's a there's a famous quote in uh in scottish well a joke in in a glaswegian joke if you ever go to these places as you arrive at the b and b they'll say something to you like yeah you'll have had your dinner then you know as in like they're not going to be making that <laughs> And that is, and that should be the that should be it. You know, ne never mind Kate Deal of Thoughts, you just you'll have had your dinner. Should be, the, be the, the strap line for Scottish tourism. And I don't think it's ever got any better. Me, me and Sue's very rarely holiday in, in, in Scotland. Um we try and get back to Ireland as much as possible, which which we do. Yeah. Um, so how if I recall, you were you were de designing or yeah, designing tele telescopes for submarines or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, periscopes. Um, so yeah, we we were kind of working on this top secret um, 
submarine as it turned out it was trident but we nobody knew about it when we worked there we, we only all found out uh, years after we sorry did. i was just i was just laughing a telescope for for a submarine that's, that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty uncool i wouldn't like to be the i wouldn't like to be the fellow holding the telescope <laughs> it's a i'll tell you i'll tell you a quick funny story i'll, I'll keep it very short but but uh the head of the Italian Navy, who who even knew that they had a Navy, right? But he arrived over because he was looking at some of the tech we were building and he wanted a kind of a look at the behind the scenes, how we were doing this, that and the other. So he came in and he was in the full uh, uh, Italian Navy gear, feathers in the in the, in the the hat and the whole bit. So we all had to be on best, best behavior. So he came in and we had this mock-up kind of built with all the electronics and screens and everything. But it was all, it, it was all, kind of embedded into what could best be described as a telegraph pole, right? So this thing was like a big round uh, piece of wood and lots of these things in it and this mainframe computer that was running all the various bits and pieces. And he came in and he looked at it and he's kind of nodding and he's looking and, <laughs> and apparently he went out and in the meeting he had with the top guys afterwards, he said, yes, this is brilliant. This is just what I was expecting. But I, I would I want to stipulate that we want a, a metal one. I'm like, me. It's a mock-up. If you put a telegraph pole in the water, it's probably not going to be the best kind of... Uh, I mean, you know what I mean? The head of the Italian Navy thinks it was on a wooden, a wooden telescope, a wooden periscope. But... But, yeah, very good. Go, go ahead anyway with the with your work there. So you were working with them for, for how long? Worked with them for I guess about two or three two or three years. I found out, uh, two and a half years in actually. I uh, I found out I was beginning to get vibes that we were working on Triton submarine, which was not a very cool thing. Um, we all knew what it was, and what it, you know it was it, it was basically the nuclear de deterrent for the UK. Um, so came out of there and ultimately kind of moved to. Um, Compaq computers yeah. who, uh, were taking on IBM at that point in time. This was before Dell and before a lot of the kind of mainstream um, uh, computer manufacturers. So I went in with to them to work in product and new product introduction. So I was very much aligned with whatever we were building right now or what was coming down the line i was introducing it so this was a, a massive manufacturing facility of probably three four thousand people so wow. it, was, it was a huge i mean at one point i think we were pumping out a million computers a month this this thing was like a, a massive just-in-time uh manufacturing uh, operation and so i had great fun there while i while i was there i kind of had my own band and it gave me plenty of time to go and play and write and record. And uh, and the work side of it was was really just um it was it was paying the bills, I guess. You know, it was good work and uh, it was great experience. I met a lot of a, a lot of wonderful people there, including my wife, um oh. and Suze. And so and and again, the, the the MD of that particular plant here in, in Glasgow, I brought him in a few years later when I started my own company. I brought him in as an, a non-exec director. So there was there were just good 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 times. It, they, they were one of the first companies, I guess, Tony, that had that um 
like IBM or Xerox or, you know, those West Coast San Francisco um, Valley type companies that had cultures that, you know, they looked after the people, they paid everybody well, they 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 made sure everyone got free food, everyone, you know, it was kind of like yeah. where the, the Googles and the Facebooks got it all from. Um, and Compact was the first uh, in this country that, that really embraced that whole kind of cultural... <clears throat> view of how you treat your employees which which was great because i kind of picked that up from there and kind of brought it with me and it's something i've always had you know that uh i think keeping people at the center of what you're doing if people are happy and people are kind of on it then then it's 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 good times yeah if you're trying to exploit people or you're trying to get them to do things they don't want to do it just doesn't end well <laughs> it might might in the short term uh, yeah, yeah. Look like it's working, but I've I've never I've never been a, a a fan or an advocate of it. So yeah, I did about ten years there. Okay, it was one of those. It, it, when I, I think back, well, what what was I doing and what was I working on? Um, it was it was the focus was always on music. The focus was recording albums, and the the, the focus was going on tour with, with 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 various not not big tours, but we 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 did it kind of tours with Crowded House and, and World Party and um, Squeeze. I didn't realise now that... So did you release albums, you did? Yeah, yeah. well, we, we, we released... We had three EPs and then an album, and we got to the point with the album where we were kind of like a bit too old, or we thought we were too old at this point. We were 30, and um, we thought... We'd, we'd kind of missed the first boat of Glasgow band getting signed to Warner Brothers and, and Sony and all the rest. They'd all left town and went to Manchester for the whole dance rave thing. And we were kind of left in Glasgow like the Marie Celeste, you know, uh, um, nobody, no record company people up there. there were, a few bands got, got out that were in our kind of camp, like Travis. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and but very 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 few, um, maybe teenage fan club through creation and, and stuff like that. But that was all kind of indie label. But yeah, we had a heart set on on, on, on getting a deal with um, with a major, and that's kind of where we where we were we where we were focused. Um, I now mean, what, I, what was the band's name? The band were called the Color the Color Wheel. We were called the Catherine Wheel, and some bunch of, of thieving bastards nicked it. And <laughs> uh, just as we were about to kind of like release things and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, we, we, we toured, we, we toured us the color wheel with, um, I think we were the color wheel with, with crowded house. Um, but yeah, just great fun. You know, we got to support them playing the Barrowlands and we played the, we played the Fla here in Glasgow and, um, just great times. Um, oh, yeah. you know, that, that type of thing. If if you, if you look up, the Color Wheel on Spotify, the album's up there. I, I put it up about a year ago. Right. With the with the express plan that I was going to do a little bit of marketing and just like not marketing, but let people know it was there that, that were into the band at the time. But I've never actually got round to telling anybody it's there. So it's all word of mouth. If I see somebody, I'll say, Hey, by the way, you know the album. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm normally looking to buy a copy of it off me because we didn't release it. And I said, It's up there, it's free, so just Fill your boots. <laughs> um, on a on a complete opposite side of that coin, uh, I met a guy in a 
in a pub about three months ago and he came up to me and he said, um, he says, you're McKinsey, are you? And I was like, uh, yeah, do I owe you money? Um, <laughs> and he says, yeah, I used to come and see the the color wheel, you know, at King Tut's Wawa Hut. And, and, and I says, all right, yeah. And he says, look, uh, I've just put your album into, <laughs> I was supposed to think this was great, but he, he he's a curator for Glasgow uh, Transport Museum. And they've got this whole mocked up old street and there's a record store in it. And so he had put the um, he, he put the color wheel CD kind of in the window of the shop. But look, and, and simple minds and all, all the rest of it. And I thought, that's really nice. But I oh. seem to have went from <laughs> playing in a band to being a, a museum exhibit without <laughs> any of the fun of, of the middle bit. <laughs> God, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, you know, it's just one of those wee things. It was more, it was more funny and nice for my daughter Kira, who's twenty three, because I said, "Oh, hey, you never guess whose album's in the window of the of the uh, the uh, the museum record shop." Yeah, and so she's been telling her pals, you know, "Hey, my dad's albums down there." So it, it, it's strange. He's a, he's a relic. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but exactly. no, I actually I never realised that. I, like I knew you played, yeah. and yeah, but I didn't realize that it was such it was, a focus. Yeah, it probably would have been. It probably would have been later, Tony, because it would have probably been in late eighties into early nineties. Wow! Because um, I was thirty in ninety three, and we kind of just decided we'd had enough um, when when all of a sudden uh, Blur and Oasis started to do similar kind of like strand of 60s influenced music that we, we'd already been kind of like doing. Um, but yeah, but that, that whole Britpop scene wasn't anything I was particularly kind of into. I like Blur. Um, and I love Radiohead, but they're not exactly kind of Britpop. Uh, wasn't a fan of Oasis. And um, yeah, at that point, we just kind of went, right, okay. And I just continued on writing and playing with friends basically and just having and to this day still do that brilliant brilliant yeah it's a great um yeah it's a great hobby to have uh, they say if you can play an instrument you know you have entertainment for life i mean i've been hacking away uh for the last three years no it's not that's an ornament Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, it's it's a guitar, but I can't use it. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, fair play to you. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's great it's, to have. It's always been it's always been central. You know, um, I guess I've always written, and all my friends here, most of them are in bands, and most of them are, are some at various different levels. Like, possibly my best mate, Greg Kane, uh, who's one half a Hue and Cry. He he's a a brilliant kind of like producer uh kind of writer um as he well knows i'm not a huge fan of hue and cry i've i've got huge respect for them because of the they are i mean they're jazzers they're jazz funk people they really really know their stuff they're not just they're not just shang lang and cg and d you know they're um but yeah so it's it's always it's always been there and i'm glad glad of it to be honest because it's a um it's a it's a thread through my life, you yeah, know. Fantastic. A house, house full of bloody left-handed guitars, but uh, tripping across yeah. morning night. But 
I still think I could be a front man for a, a serious rock band. Oh yeah, yeah, but you've got it. You've got it, yeah. You've got the ACDC hat as well. You've got all the, the major boxes tick. Dude, I've seen you on the floor of, of Joey Mars and many school gymnasiums giving it your well. I think you have got that frontman gene. I although I fronted bands, I don't think I've ever been that guy. I've never been that guy. Um that can just go out and absolutely lose themselves with gay abandonment. <laughs> But uh, so, where are we now? What what year you were? Oh, yeah, in, like, the, in the computer in um, Compact for ten years. Yeah. Oh, what ha what happened then? What was the? Oh, the what happened was uh, <clears throat> internet happened. So I I was working with Compact, and we were beginning to uh, we were beginning to buy internet companies. They bought a company called Alta Vista. Alta Vista. Yeah. We were one of the four search engines, pre-Google and all the rest. And just at that point in time, Google began to kick in. So uh, this is like 99. Uh, and my, my dad had just died. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Era had been born. And they were looking for redundancies at uh, Compaq. And I'd been trying to get out for a little bit. And I thought, I'm going to take redundancy and I'm going to start an internet company. That's what I'm going to do. So... Easier said than done, but uh, that's what I did do. Um, so I started a company that we we it was social media before before social before Facebook and all, all these types of companies. It was all about connecting people together and circles of of friends and and that type of thing. Um, but I started that and I raised a million a million quid in uh, seed capital from a local uh, entrepreneur in in Glasgow, a guy called Richard oh. Emmanuel. And we began to build the company up and build the product and put it out there. And it began to catch fire. And we got to about, I think we got to about five or six million users. Um, somebody's trying to get me here, Joe. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. take that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, took a million quid, invested a, Grew to about five or six million users, went out to the West Coast of America and raised more money to, to then grow the company. So we grew it to about 80 people and uh, we we raised 25 million uh, quid and ran it for about 10, 10 sorry, about 15 years. Wow, I didn't realize um, this. Yeah, so... The company we had an office in London here in Glasgow. Most of the dev and design was here in 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 Glasgow, um, and we had an office in Boston. But where where the wheels come off the bogey with it was uh, we the more the money came into the company, the more that the venture capital people began to just bring in idiots. Um, where we they wanted to flip the company to Disney in America. So they were really focusing the company into the the, the, the the kind of child, not child, but the what they would call the tween market. So pre preteens and girls. And so this whole thing was all just a bit of an, an anathema to me. Um, so I stepped away from it uh, and went out to kind of raise some more capital to build what was going to be at that point in time, a, a recommendations engine for music. 
Um, I'd already had some interest from some people, but just as I went to do that, um, I kind of thought that WeWorld will run itself. We've got enough people in there that are doing it. I'm still on the board, um, but I can go and do this. And I, I, this was 2008 at this point. So we all know what happened in 2008. Yeah. The entire world blew up and uh, there was no venture capital. There was no money. There was no whatever. So, and this was just around the time that Spotify were beginning to do things or Apple Music were beginning. I think, I don't know if Spotify were quite in the scene, but certainly Apple was. And I was looking to try and do something there, but it never, it never came, it never came to fruition. Um, I had the name of the company as well. It was called Pet Revolver, which was uh, a mixture of pet oh. sound and, and revolver. Um, at one point, I think we 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 had the name God's Jukebox as well, which which was um, which we we, we owned the the name on for for a bit. Set up a new business, a music type. Uh, kind of, yeah. So I was looking to do a music recommendation engine, which which is something that kind of goes. You listen to this stuff, uh, you're probably like all this. But the difference with this was it was human. Uh, it was it was driven by real people that whose maybe taste in music you respected. You know that you know mm -hmm. like the way we all found about about music growing up. You know where somebody said, hey, if you like you know Neil Young, you might like a bit of Jackson Brown, or you might like this, that, or the other, or Joni Mitchell. So uh, it, the idea was to kind of like uh, create a hive mind uh, with, all, with, with lots of people whose, whose opinions people would respect, people in bands or music or the, or, or the industry, um, as opposed to what we've really got, which is getting a little bit better, I guess, but horrible algorithms that say, you know, if you like Bob Dylan, you'll probably like Charles Aznavour because he's he's a guy as well. So, uh, so the plan was to try and avoid landing in that space, uh, but we were in that particular hell for quite some time. Um, so, yeah, that was the plan. But just through circumstances out where our control, 2008 uh, wasn't really the place to do that. Um, and so I'd kind of written myself out of out of my own company a wee bit. Um, they they had a they they wanted to go in a certain direction. As I said, I wasn't really interested. It was focused on 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 pre-teen girls in North America. I mean, we had about two hundred and fifty million users. This thing was wow. huge, yeah. and this was before Facebook. This was bigger than Facebook. Um, but these guys just basically drove the whole thing into a wall effectively um, because really what they wanted was to was to flip the company to Disney and take a few hundred million off them or whatever. Um, and that was never really going to work. I, didn't, I, I just didn't think that's where. For many reasons, I thought that was that was had jeopardy for Disney. One was what we're hearing about all the time now with regards to Twitter, and that is. Um, just basically curating the content and and mediating the content and making sure that people aren't saying that they want to blow up uh, the twin towers or you know or whatever that, whatever's going on. And the only way you can really do that, uh, you can write software, of course, to kind of check for various different things. But but ultimately, it 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 requires people. And um, I remember at one point we we created a we had a mobile app and we put it onto Motorola phones in Europe. And it was going out onto uh, it was going to go out onto something like four million handsets in Europe in mul multiple languages, and I got a phone call from the guy 
the, the main product guy at, at Motorola. And he said, so how, how, how are you guys mediating all this? Now, how, how do you kind of like control it? And I thought, how are we controlling it? There's 20 of us. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're Mr. Motorola, you know, who owns half of Chicago. It's like, surely you've got a few bums and seats of people that might be able to kind of monitor and control it. So I, I, I kind of recognized the very early doors that these huge mega cops uh, didn't want to spend any money, resource, time in in kind of managing the content <clears throat> contained therein. So I, I kind of seen the writing on the wall with the Disney thing. And uh, it was a real pity because we, we we were way ahead of the game, Tony. I mean, like way ahead of the game. Wow. And we had, we had the investment. We had the technology. Um, but we also had Muppets brought in by the venture capital uh, team. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it really just boils down to people and who the people are and how good their ideas are. And yeah. uh, it's turned out that they 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 uh, hired a couple of Uber Muppets, and um, and we never <laughs> were ever really able to get back from that because we had to kind of traffic everything through them. If I say anything else, and that I might end up in prison or in the high court. So, um, yeah. So that's that's what I kind of landed. So I, when I came out of it, then. Kira was about nine, and I'd done a lot, a, a lot of traveling, a lot of flying over and back across yeah. the Atlantic, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of time in Europe, and, and and trying to to with networks and trying to sell into mobile phone manufacturers and internet companies, and so I eventually was just busted. I'm burnt, I guess the phrase that used now is burnt out. But yeah. um, um, on top of all that, I realized that my we girl was growing up and yeah. I wasn't really around as much as I wanted to be. And so I just thought, you know what? My priority is, is really Kira and, um, and just making sure that as a family, we're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's only so much business as I was kind of said to you earlier on, uh, music's always been at the back of things for me and the creative process and, and, and that side of it. Business and spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations and all the rest. Yeah, I, I've been there, done it like everybody else has done it. Do I enjoy it? Not particularly, but I can kind of get on with it and get it done. And so, yeah, it, the family, I guess, uh, and making sure that Kira grew up to be a decent skin mm. as this, um, was way more important to me at, at that point. To the point where last week I went to see Neil Young's movie uh, about the making of Harvest. It's out at the moment. It got a limited cinema released last week. And she came along to it with me and basically sang all the words of Harvest all the way through. Wow. So it was yeah. a proud, proud father. Yeah. <laughs> but she was the youngest one in there by about, <laughs> I'd say, 30 years anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, None of mine, none of mine would come to a Neil Young film. I can, I can, I can tell you that for. <laughs> well, she was kind of hoodwinked into it a little bit because I initially bought it for Suze, and Suze, Suze's exact quote to me was, "Was that the fella that we went to see at the Scottish uh, Exhibition Centre, and he did twenty minute solos?" And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> And she says, I'm not going. I've got, pot I've got pottery classes on that night. So uh, this was his pre-guitar uh, solo noodling uh, phase. But you probably remember, do you not, like um, 
Sean Sean Conlon uh, or Alvin, as we we would have called him in in St Mary's. Yeah, he got us all into Neil Young like That's early right, goals, yeah. and he brought in uh, Russ Never Sleeps and and you remember the 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 photocopiers that used to photocopy handouts that smelt of alcohol. Yeah, you know, pink writing. <laughs> well, we were supposed to be doing the fall of the Roman Empire. But he would bring in the lyrics to the Thrasher and and uh, and Pocahontas and all these tracks from from uh, Russ Never Sleeps, and we would review the lyrics. Uh, what that had to do with Latin, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, but I think he he he's he's kids play as well himself. Yeah. yeah. I go I go back home quite a bit, Tony. So. Uh, I've got a, a a mobile home down in Clatterhead. You know Clatter down on the coast. I, I worked in a, a a fish factory in Clatterhead for one summer. Did you? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, you're legendary. That that place was as uh, uh, wasn't oh. pleasant. I, I, I oh. remember I was when we'd arrive home, we'd have to undress in the boiler house out the back, go straight into the shower, and even after the shower. You yeah, can, you can still get the smell. I know it's. It's. I think it's. I don't know if it's still there or whether it does the processing anymore. I think the trawlers now process it out at sea and freeze it, and then <laughs> I'm not sure what goes on at the. There is a factory there, and it will be the factory that you are in, just on yeah. the way down to the harbour. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I go back quite a bit because I've got the the mobile home there, and I try and try and any downtime I get, I'd rather be there than than brilliant, than, yeah, than in, than in the Highlands. And um, there was a reason for telling you this. Um, yeah, Sean Sean Conlon and his sons. Um, I've got to know them quite well because they put on a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day session where they all come down with their literally everything from trumpets to to dulcimers to mandolins and guitars and i've met uh, jerry rickard there you know it was jerry that invited me to it uh he said are you going to be back and uh bring a guitar because we're going to do this i mean the closest the best way of describing this i don't know whether you're familiar with it with an album that dylan did with the band um in the late 60s just before they became big but it was called the basement tapes. Yeah, and, yeah. And they just had this mix of instrumentation, and it was kind of a mixture between Dylan and soul and and folk and and trad and um and that's what they do. They do this every New Year's Day. I'm not. I haven't been there for a couple of years. Just the, the way the timing has worked out, having to get back. But um. Yeah, I've sat in on those and had four or five pints of Guinness and played all these Neil Young tunes Brilliant. with Jerry Record and Sean and his sons, all playing trumpets and all manner of things. And they are just the best crowd. I mean, it's one of those ones, you know, the way you look, we're talking about where does 40 years go and where does 30 years go? Um, if I look back, some of the sessions I've, I've played in and with with the Conlins and with Jerry have been the most memorable kind of like wow. uh, days I've had, you know. Yeah. Um, and I would just sit in the background and harmonize and 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 play some rhythm guitar. I'm not I'm not looking. I mean Sean would normally be going, you know, no, you come on, play that, you know, play the trash or I do do whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll play some mouth organ. Um but I always um, I'm like, no, I'm I'm a passenger. I'm here 
to make everyone else sound a little bit kind of if I can harmonize I'll harmonize if I can play a, a lead thing behind it then but it's just such great fun yeah yeah it's Fantastic. all born it's all born out of St Mary's you know it's all born out of brilliant um, brilliant kind of like St Mary's school thing but um and it was Jared that reached out to me I, I would pass Sean in Clark's bar and draw it out every now and then and he would say you should really tr try and come home for this I think you'd like it um but yeah, it's great fun. Fantastic. So where are we now? You're um I'm just out of short trousers at this point. Am I not? <laughs> so you're you're spending more time at home with Suze and Kira. Yeah. And so I pretty much decided uh I better because a lot of ninety-nine to probably two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, a lot of it was around the business side of things, raising capital, building products, flying around to people, trying to get them installed on various websites and, and mobile phones and that type of thing. I kind of stopped and I thought, wait a minute. Um, I, for want of a better phrase, I kind of felt like I'd been away from the tools for a long time. You know, if somebody had asked me, what is it you do? What's what's your job? What 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 are you bringing to the party? I wasn't entirely sure at this point because I I become like a bit of a jack of all trades. If, if it needed done, I would go and do it. Or I'd... and so I thought I better get back to the meat and two veg of the situation here, which is developing technologies and and apps and websites and and whatever. So I went into Scottish Television. Um, they had no tech. They they were like a they were like a 1960s company that, wow. you know, they've got five million viewers here. It, it, it's like RTE. So they had all they had all these viewers, but they had very little in the way of like television apps and uh, their news uh, didn't they had a terrible app. And so I, I kind of went in. There were three of us, and we grew that to maybe about fifty. Um, over the course over the course of seven or eight years so building the products and then kind of like rolling them out and then building a team that could build the products and so it did that for I literally went in there Tony thinking a couple of years of this like get the hang of things <laughs> so I can remember what it is I do for a living and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to I'm going to um look at maybe the music recommendation engine again and see if I can raise some capital for that but as we said earlier, those two years became nearly 10 years without me even kind of like batting yeah. and handling. Mm. And before we knew it, we were into the pandemic and uh, Kira's at university doing psychology and um, doesn't need me hanging around in the background, making sure she's okay. And so I did that and, and I came out of there um, just this year and went into a consultancy firm here called And digital and they kind of like work with they work with everybody you know that they're, they're that type of consultancy um firm um but one of the major projects at the moment is with sky who obviously do you know everything from broadband to tv etc so that's where i am right now I, I kind of manage a team of about 12 people that are developers or analysts and a couple of stu uh, graduate students and uh, and and manage projects uh within within the within within the consultancy so 
we've got kind of an ongoing training program and package uh, for the graduates. We've got four of them. And it's a matter of kind of building out products and proofs of concepts and all this type of thing. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. It's it's really yeah. interesting. And Mike, how do you find, do you enjoy the whole man management side of things? Yeah. Do you know, it, it was a very strange thing that um, when when I joined uh, and they 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 put everyone through what's called, I think it's called a HB, H, I always I always nearly say HDMI, which is an, an interface <laughs> on a computer. It's HBMD or something like that. But it's, it breaks down. It's a bit like um, Myers-Briggs kind of, uh, you know, uh, what type of personality are you? You know, you um, extroverted uh, feeling, uh, whatever, uh, judgmental or, or whatever. So I've done several of them over the years, but they, they had a particular one and it came out and it said, what was interesting about this, Tony, was the way the questions were, were they were trying to get an honest answer out of it. It was trying to be like, this is what your ideal kind of situation is. Because you can game these things if you know it's for an employment situation. You're kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah. I just love electronics. <laughs> you know, man, I'm not happy unless I'm up and using Excel spreadsheets. That's just the kind of, that's how I roll. You know, all that rubbish. How is, when, your, how is your interpersonal skills? Bloody brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking? <laughs> oh, just, there's a joke. I can't quite remember, but it was that, wasn't it? Uh, oh. Who's fucking asking you? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. yeah, the the two it, it got four quadrants, and the the two quadrants for me were creativity. The two spikes were creativity and people, and uh, kind of I was a bit miffed with with the idea that I wasn't you know a huge logistics guy or a, or a logically programming guy. You know, you, like everything else, you're always going to look at the ones that you you're not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Align to and say it's, it wasn't that I wasn't aligned to it because having to do the work that I do, just just like you, Tony, it's like you have to do it, and you get good at it, or you get you you know you get reasonable at it. Um, but it's not what you would naturally do, you know. Yeah, given yeah. half a chance, that's not what you get a buzz out of. So the two things were creativity and and people, and this role at the moment ticks both of those boxes for wow. me because I, I get a I get a buzz out of um of helping other people I guess you know yeah. uh, seeing them come on and nurturing them and suggesting things and um coaching um for want of a, a better phrase but so I do I get a buzz I get a buzz out of that um in previous roles I've either been the manager guy or, or I've been the product guy or I've been a mixture of both um this is a little bit more towards the people but with a, enough of a project product element to it that I feel engaged because you, you know there's the danger you end up being an agony aunt you know as as a line manager for people you know you just listen to them kind of going on about how they they, they should really be running apple but nobody's yeah. calling them type of thing. Uh, but so yeah it's a good it's a good blend it's a good blend um very good and it's not quite as as kind of high pressure as the previous two things that i that i've done so i'm getting enough time to get back and play some music Kira's now kind of like living with our student pals 
Um, it allows me the opportunity to to write and record with Pat, with friends whose families have grown up too, you know, and they brilliant. brilliant. They find themselves in that position, going, "Where's all my mates? Remember, we used to have fun." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go and have some fun. Um, I'm not I'm not going to keep you much longer, but <clears throat> one of the questions, uh, you know, when you when you moved over initially. Yeah. What was the integration like? Like I've spoken to uh, a good few people, you know, some in Australia, some in uh, the US, and some of them have a tendency to, you know, integrate with the Irish straight away, go to the Irish pubs, and it takes a while before they they can merge into the the, the culture uh, of the the country they're with. In Scotland, I'd say they're well, they're pretty similar to the to yeah. the Irish. So what was your experience uh, there? So my, for, for I, I kind of thought, I seen that as one of your questions and, and I thought, um, for, for some reason, I just, I, I'm not saying I, I avoided the Irish when I came, but I, I had no interest in Celtic football club. So that immediately kind of puts you in a position of, you know, I, are you gay? <laughs> you know, uh, what? So, yeah, so rather than go through all that, most of my friends were all um, musicians, and most of them had no interest in in, in Celtic Football Club or, or Rangers Football Club. So in a way, I bypassed that side of it and got immediately involved with a lot of a lot of people who who were kind of maybe third generation Irish. Lots of O'Reillys and Murphys and and Keynes and 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 all the rest of it. Um, and so it was like a ready community, Tony, I guess, you know, that, that these people were into their music. They went to the pub, they played gigs, and they didn't talk about uh, what the score was on a, on a Saturday. I, you know, I'm not saying everyone ignored football. There was obviously friends that I had who were crazy about it, and, and uh, that's what they did. And even on top of that, one of my best pals, uh, Martin Connor, his father, Frank Connor, managed Celtic for, for a while. So wow. I, I was pretty close to the, to, you know, the inner sanctum at Celtic Park. Yeah. But it, it never transcended into, could you get me some tickets? I'd like to come and see it. Yeah. Although every now and then I did go when, when my brother was over once and I took him and Enric Larson scored a hat-trick and we had the best seats in the house and... Uh, my brother's a Man U fan, and he just went, that was the best game of football I, I think I've ever seen. Enric Larson uh, at, at his peak. Oh. And, uh, I had to pretend I was there every week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in it before. <laughs> Very good. I think, we, I think we'll think we we'll call it. Uh, it was great seeing you, Mike. And Brilliant to see you, Tony. I mean, it's a bit silly, kind of like you just letting me rabbit for for an hour and a half rather than have a. Are you calling me silly? Are you calling me silly? <laughs> I hope yeah. <laughs> rather than have a chat with you. Let's 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 not leave it another forty years. 40 years. Yes. Have you got? I'm, I'm wondering. Have you got shoes on? I have. Well, I've slippers on. <laughs> anyway, last question. Uh, oh. Barry's tea. Yeah, pint, a pint of Guinness or potato crisps. What do you miss the most? Well, see, I can get, I can get the crisps. I am back all the time, right? And I normally stock up on on cheese and onion, potato yeah. when I'm 
when I'm coming back. As a matter of fact, people tell me to bring it back for them. So <laughs> it's like some type of contraband trying to get it back into the country. But I, I drank Guinness. The place I drank in uh, is now not a bad pint at all. But see, when you when you go home and you just get that pint of Guinness, that first couple of pints, it's just like, you yeah. know, I don't know what I don't know why there's a difference, but as sure as hell is a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. A, it's like a milkshake. Uh, <laughs> and I seen an interview, sorry, with, with Noel Gallagher, and he was talking about various different drugs he's been on over the years. And he says the one thing that he, he can't kind of consume anymore is Guinness, because he said he's normally he's drank 15 pints before he realizes that he's he's face down on the floor and he's whatever. <laughs> it's, it's just something that's very difficult to 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 maintain the volume on uh, because it's just such a nice and it's a nice experience particularly with good company hey speaking of which the next time i'm back you need to try and get your ass if i'm down the west coast I'm down, Jesus, yeah. Are you back down in Limerick? Is that where you're from? Yeah. I yeah, I'm 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 in Limerick for the last thirty-six years. But my folks are still alive and well. Oh, good stuff, yeah. Yeah, so uh, are they up at kind of the Rosnery? Was that's it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go back there, I'll be back over Christmas. So we we can touch base and see if our, our schedules. Yeah, well, I'm over from the 28th. No, sorry. The 20, 23rd, 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 23rd. I think the 23rd to the 27th. So if you're in the in the vicinity, in the locale. We'll touch base. Uh, yeah, yeah. That'd be brilliant. <clears throat> brilliant. I'd love to see you now. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll just sit there drinking pints again and let you do the talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> I can talk. I can talk. I can tell you. <laughs> Mike, it's been okay. a pleasure. All right, Tony. Lovely to see you too. Th thanks a million. And All right, dude. Talk to you later. Hope Ciao. You see, you Christmas. see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of Irish by the Grace of God. If you like it, please share it with your friends and family and check out our website shows.acast.com forward slash Irish by the grace of God hyphen podcast. Here you'll find all our social media pages to make contact. If you know of any Irish people living abroad with an interesting tale, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you and tune in next week. Bye bye.